I regret this. I regret <laughs> this season a lot. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's Get Cynical, season three. And we are continuing our journey into the mind of Max Landis. And mm. I was hoping that in covering Max Landis, we get a view into a unique mind. You know, Doug, Doug Walker is one of the most compelling characters in internet history. A man with a vision, but not the skill to execute it, brought down by his own hubris. And a man who tried to do the right thing, but just failed. And I was hoping that Max Landis, there would be facets of his personality that would come through. And, you know, maybe there is. Maybe there's a tragic figure here. Someone, you know, someone who is desperate for approval of his dad. Or maybe as time goes on, we'll find something interesting, a read on him. But, Esther, you put it best when you said that, as of right now, this man is just a YouTuber with millions of dollars. That's all it is. (laughs) It really is, like... It's the perfect follow-up from season two because Max Landis is just all of those guys. He's exactly like them, but he has the money to like put actual actors and shit in his Mm -hmm. dumb fucking videos about comic books or whatever. And it's just insufferable because it's like you could have just every other YouTuber just makes this, but they're just sitting at like in front of their webcam and it's not better because of that. But the way you're doing it is so much worse. It's like the amount, you look at the amount of money and effort being expended on these videos, especially the wrestling one. It just makes you mad. Like, Jesus Christ. Apparently, also, most of the people who were in this stuff were not paid. They did it for free. (laughs) Which, uh, Max, you could have. You could have if you wanted to. Nothing was stopping you. (laughs) Nothing was stopping you. Oh, my God. God damn this! Yeah. Oh, this hurt. I I've got a strong stomach for shit between these two shows, but man, something about this guy just is upsetting. Like, mm-hmm. how the fuck did we let him like be a hip YouTube person? Like, how did we let him like kind of be like this cool guy or whatever that people mingled with until he got fucking me too? Because this is like the worst person on the planet. <laughs> like this is the this is the most evil human being that's ever lived. Why yeah. were people not like ringing alarm bells as early as fucking you know 2011 or whatever <laughs> as whenever he popped onto the scene? This is just unbelievable. This is one of the most hate hateable fucking people we've ever had to talk about on this shit. Yeah, it's it's. I think he like he came about right at the tail end of the era of like, you know. I use these words not because I believe them, but because this was the idea. Like, the cool, hot, nerd figure in pop culture of, like, oh, this guy's a nerd about comic books, but actually he's, like, super charming and, like, sexy and fun. You want to hang out with him. He's not any of those things. But that is, like, that was such a popular sort of just, like, kind of person to be that he comes onto the scene with all of his, like, fucking clout, you know, nepotism clout and money that ever of course he was huge like he had the fucking mythbusters in his videos just because he could to talk about some dumb bullshit it's 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 crazy but like it makes sense why people i think latched on to him because he was like he was the the ultimate figure of that of that kind of like guy archetype basically yeah because he could afford to be he is the platonic ideal of the non-threatening nerd he yes. is he is just uh 
that guy in a nutshell and almost parodically he is of course a fucking massive sex pest and narcissist like this like i said this on the first episode but if you wrote this guy like in a story or a movie or even just in like a fucking LA girl stand-up set, like, oh, this trash guy wore a barrel and suspenders and he was actually gaslighting me. Like, <laughs> if you made up this guy, I wouldn't believe you because he is just like a perfect crystallization of everything wrong with nerd culture and this era of the internet. And like it it almost feels too perfect just how awful he is. And yet he is a real fucking person that had a considerable amount of buzz for years. Yeah. And it literally took him being outed for crimes to have him get brought down. That's the, yeah, that's the craziest thing. It's like people didn't, you know, I I guess like his movies fucking bombed. Like after Chronicle, obviously we'll talk about them. He did not have another successful movie. No. It didn't matter, right? Like. Yeah. By the time he got to Bright, he was getting million fucking dollar Netflix contracts. It was yes. happening. Even, you know, bomb after bomb after bomb, it didn't fucking matter. And yeah, it's like if if things had gone on a little longer without the Me Too stuff, would he have continued being successful? Like, yeah, maybe, honestly. Yeah, probably. He probably would have. Like, he would probably be able to just keep fucking selling scripts and yep. making dumb vlogs. And people like are fucking corner of the internet would probably get tired of him but like the industry yeah. would just keep giving him money because he's his last name is fucking landis like it's, he would have just kept going yeah no again it's completely insane like he showed up in fucking red letter media videos as if like you know he isn't making the worst fucking movies of all time like <laughs> he's just allowed to show up he's allowed to be like an authority on selling scripts and writing scripts as if he isn't one of the worst fucking writers in the world you know, it's literally just like, you know, fucking Brian McKee doing this shit times a hundred. Yeah. It's literally <laughs> the stereotype of the screenwriting professor who can't fucking sell scripts teaching you how to write <laughs> scripts. Except he can sell scripts that are terrible because his last name's fucking Landis. And now he gets to do all this YouTube shit too and like, you know, mingle with the in crowds. He gets to go on fucking, you know, red letter media and screen junkies videos too because, you know, he's a hip internet guy. Everyone wants to be around him. And people, all these people just fucking pretended that he has anything meaningful to say and that he's good at what he does. And people listen to him. He's the fucking reason that we have to deal with all of this, you know, oh, Mary Sue bullshit or whatever. We have to fucking deal with all of this misappropriation of, you know, tossed off terms like the Bechdel test or whatever. And now we have to endure them every couple months because someone thinks that they're a profound fucking term and not just what this fucking rapist decided to use that day in order to fit in with the changing scene of Hollywood. God damn. I have never hated a fucking person as much as I hate this guy. And these two videos just broke me like, Oh my God. It's not, it isn't the worst thing. We, I mean, the wrestling one is up there, but it's not the worst thing we've ever talked about. But something about this just infuriated me. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, just all of the other fucking YouTube shit we've talked about. From Top of the Fourth Wall to Doug to all the YouTube guys. Like, even the ones that had money behind them. Like, there was something, I don't know, authentic about it, I guess. Like, there was some genuine expression of someone's mind, even when it's the fucking Fine Brothers, who are two people who were <laughs> created in a lab to increase global anti-Semitism by five percent. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, this guy, there's nothing. There's nothing. But the production values are so much higher. This, uh, this, there's so much money here. Literally, it feels like the YouTube version of elevated horror. It's just like, <laughs> just some guy barging in and trying to outsmart something he barely fucking understands, and yet gets away with it because he's got so much money and clout. It's insane. Yeah, I think with the other YouTube guys, there's like, I mean, like you say, you know, even when Hollywood was throwing money at them, like. First of all, it was never that much money. Like, everything we covered last season was still pretty cheap, um, for the most part. But also, like, yeah, even when, even with, like, fucking PewDiePie, there was at least the sense that, like, oh, this guy at, at one point in his life was a real person. <laughs> like, yes. that, and that was, that was what, like, made those guys, even when they were utterly fucking loathsome, like, not this hateable, because there was still yeah. that sense of, like, all right, we watched their old videos, and it's still there's a sense of them being human fucking beings but this guy was just like from the moment he was born he was just this he was just yes. this fucking obnoxious there's no soul there whatsoever yeah just a complete husk of a human being <laughs> like you know even fucking pewdiepie or whatever his dad wasn't hollywood's most famous murderer not named manson like <laughs> it's there was at least something there once but this guy was born with the fucking silver fucking dick in his mouth and from then on out he has just been able to do whatever he wants and he's still basically able to do whatever he wants even after he's been accused of rape like a thousand times he's still fucking selling scripts and stuff and he's still gonna be fine it just makes me so unbelievably angry that he's doing this fake drunk history shit god damn Okay, we got to talk about these videos because, um, uh, yeah. what is it? It's, 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 well, I'll just be sitting here yelling for the entire time. <laughs> do you want to uh, do the, the Superman one first or the wrestling one first? Uh, Superman one. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So Max Landis, after Chronicle comes out, he's got a bunch of different, uh, balls up in the air that he's juggling and he's got projects to sell because even when you're like a hollywood guy unless you're like literally tarantino it's difficult to get stuff made tarantino still has trouble getting stuff made you know because of how much money's involved and it, it, it's difficult for anyone to get stuff made so he's got all of this stuff in motion he's selling scripts or whatever and in the meantime in order to distract himself he makes this uh he makes this like vlog with acting in it basically called um uh the death and return of superman and what he does is uh, he, he sits and monologues to the camera in this really annoying uh, YouTube guy cadence. It's, it's like if you've seen a Joshua Weissman video, it's the same type of like fake tossed off cadence that's actually just really, really meticulously edited down just to seem like, you know, casual or whatever. And he rants, he tells a story about the death and return of Superman. Esther, are you a comics person at all? Because this was all new to me. I'm not. So, yeah, in this one, uh, it's it's just, you know, if you've ever seen Drunk History, it's this, uh, god damn, it, it's a, you know, it's a show where someone monologues to the camera and the gimmick is they have actors reenacting what the person monologuing to the camera says and they, like, copy the way the person says it, like, they're lip syncing to it. And he does this to explain the story of the death and return of Superman in comics arc. And... I didn't know any of this because I don't read comics, uh, so at least there was something I learned here. It is interesting that if he's correct that 
this story, which was a publicity stunt, uh, kind of, you know, cost the, uh, cost the fucking, um, place a lot, uh, cost action comics a lot, but he, he tells the story about it. And I, if I have to be generous here, doing like a monologue with actors, if you have to make a no budget film, it's not the worst way to go about it. The only thing I will say is that he's Max Landis, so he doesn't need to make a no budget film. So why is he doing this? Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's the thing with all of these videos, right? Is like, I think with him, there is this extremely apparent, like, desperate bizarre desperation for internet clout when it's like yeah. you you know you could just be like a hugely successful movie guy like you don't need to be fucking king of youtube too but he's yes. like throwing every fucking resource at his disposal into these youtube videos at a time when like you know almost 10 years ago you know youtube the fucking youtube economy is very different now in terms of how much yes. money these people have to make videos but like back then even you know kind of post the era that we talked about last season almost, there was not a lot of, like, money going around. This was still no. very much, like, the, the the most indie of independent people, like, making this It was shit. all, like, AdSense shit. Like, that's basically how you made yeah. your money on YouTube. This is pre-Patreon, uh, so you had to make all your money off fucking AdSense, which paid, like, dog shit. Especially, yeah. <laughs> especially if you didn't make videos that went for the algorithm. So it... Y- yeah, it, it's... Oh, boy... He really wants that YouTube clout, so he basically makes a... I described it in my notes as high-budget Kickassia, telling the story <laughs> of fucking uh, the death of Superman arc. And this video was insane because... All right, so for starters, when we said that there's, like, famous people in it, there's famous, famous people in it. Like, this isn't like a fucking Corey, uh, Corey Taylor from Slipknot showing up in a... Or Mara Wilson, who's not actually famous showing up in a uh, Doug Walker video. This is like <laughs> these are Elijah Wood is in this and he's like a main role in this. There there are actual fucking famous people like Simon Pegg shows up in it too. It's insane. Yeah. It's 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 the sort of thing that like I remember when this came out or maybe you know shortly after it came out. I was in college and like my fucking sweetmates or whatever like we fucking like gathered around the TV one night and they were like, you have to see this. <laughs> like, like it was a fucking movie that had come out. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, back then it was like, Oh, like I didn't know any of this. I know sort of the, 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 the shape of the death and return of Superman story, like now from this video basically. Um, but I yeah. didn't back then. And it was like, Oh, Holy shit. This is like, there's so many famous people in this, this is like really engagingly told. I thought back then. Um, and like, this makes an interesting point about a thing that I really don't know anything about, which is like the comics industry and how comic book storytelling evolved. Um, you know, in, in a way that now I understand because you, you see the result of it, basically, or you understand the result yes. of it. Um, you know, from the modern perspective, yeah, I think it comes across as like way more fucking annoying and cloying and fucking like, and just desperate for like, like, He's throwing everything, every possible guy, like pers- famous person and resource at his disposal for this YouTube video. And it's just like, I, I don't know why, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what he is getting out of doing this other than internet clout and why he considers that to be so much more valuable than like, 
Like, why didn't he ask Simon Pegg to be in one of his fucking movies? <laughs> like, literally. Like, I mean, I guess be... this is less effort, but like, he could still have a cameo or something. Simon yeah, Pegg's exactly. always down for cameo. Ah, oh, God, man. It's bizarre. Like, why he put so much fucking energy into this thing that's like, you know, obviously this went viral because it was like precision engineered to go viral in 2012 or whatever. Oh, yeah. Comic books, famous people, Max Landis. Yeah, no. Yeah, the, the concept of seeing actual famous people in a YouTube video was still novel back then. Yeah, no. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, nowadays, you have like Will Smith pretending to be a human being in like one of <laughs> like a yeah. YouTube rewind video or whatever. But yeah, at the time that this was huge. <laughs> but... It's insane to see fucking Mandy Moore dressed as, you know, a superhero running around in front of one of those shitty early 2010s digital cameras or whatever. It Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, all right. A little few things to check off the checklist. You got um, uh, him talking about John Henry Irons as Steel. And this is the one thing where Max Landis gets mad. It's like, really? His name is John Henry Irons and he's a black guy? Um yeah right subtle much and it's like everything you've described in this sounds goofy as hell like no no disrespect to comic book fans but this is the one thing that made you go really that's the one thing i wonder why yeah seriously <laughs> yeah um you've got nerd misogyny uh we'll have to talk a lot more about that one in the wrestling video but oh yeah yeah there's some of that uh there's edgy rape jokes um i think he uses the phrase instead of beating someone up he says and he rapes his dick so that, that was whoa that was a side of yeah, that was a classic early 2010s thing one of my favorite this is a little digression but apparently uh the guy from the oatmeal made a uh, rape joke in one of his terrible comics mm -hmm. and people got really mad at it since it was like 2013 or something just when people were like, hey, maybe you shouldn't make those jokes really tastelessly. And uh, he had like a day long meltdown about it. I remember so. that. That was a that was a fucking that was a fucking like nexus point in the timeline of the Internet. Yeah. Yep. That was the first time where that was one of those first instances where it's like, hmm, you can't tell jokes about can't just toss this out willy nilly. Yeah. But oh, man, there's a. The only other thing of interest in this, okay, I gotta say, the one joke I did kind of laugh at, laugh at in this is, uh, they do a parody of that horrible Five for Fighting song, Superman or whatever, <laughs> and they just kind of sing it in that fucking Trey Parker like <laughs> voice, and it like I cracked up a little bit, um, since I hate that song, but that's <laughs> that's about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Other than that. Oh, the one insight in this that makes me feel uh, think Max Landis is an actual human being is there's a section in it where he has a reenactment of his dad talking to him and his dad turns into like a vampire and starts attacking him. <laughs> and it's like, hmm, what was your childhood like? Do <laughs> 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 you have any stories you'd like to tell about your fucking helicopter parenting? <laughs> Anyways. Um, uh, yeah. But the one thing that a lot of people talked about with this video is that, damn, Max Landis is a great pitch artist. Since literally what he's doing in this video is he's basically pitching you. He's pitching you a story. And there's another video. It's about mm -hmm. 45 minutes long. And Esther, you're familiar with this one. Yes. Where he pitches his own idea for a TV show or something about well, his, his adaptation of this arc. The, the idea is basically he 
claims that he was approached by DC to do his own version of the Death and Return of Superman comics, but like, I think it literally says in the video, because of his busy schedule, <laughs> it couldn't yeah. happen. But like, you listen to him say it, and it's like, oh, this just fucking sucks, actually. Like, I, I would not yeah. want to, if I was DC Comics, I would not want to do this. Um, yeah. It's 45 minutes long. Again, it's just him. It is the like perfect summation of who he is as like a pitcher because he is yeah again like the way he tells the story you can see yourself being drawn in and being like oh this is so cool like you know I, I it's it's less interesting to me today and it works on me less today than it did when i watched it almost 10 years ago but hmm. um he has that trick in this of like I'm going to introduce something to you that you think you don't recognize, but the twist at the end is that it's actually something you knew, like, nostalgically or whatever. And the twist in this is that he introduces a character. He, he introduces two characters who turn out to be uh, Brainiac and General Zod at the end. And it's like, mm. it's it's the perfect, like, again, we talked about this last week, but what Max Landis's whole deal is is that he will trick you into thinking that something you have seen before is something you haven't seen before. So you, that mm. you have that exciting light bulb moment of like, oh, I know that actually, but you were, I thought I didn't, but I did. And that's what half of this pitch is. And then the other half is just him for 20 minutes, just describing like, so then Wonder Woman comes in and Doomsday like breaks her arm and like breaks her in half. And then he gets the speed, the, 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 grabs flash and he like crushes his skull and it's like no one would ever want to read this sounds awful he's like describing what would be like several issues of a comic book that's just superheroes being fucking brutalized in like the most graphic way possible and it's like this video came out a couple months after man of steel i think or maybe like a little bit before but it's just crazy to see like Man of Steel was, like, the turning point of people being, like, oh, the idea of superheroes being violent and causing destruction is, like, is bad or something. Or, like, yeah. the idea of superhero, of, like, carnage in a superhero movie is something we hate, actually. And so this yeah. is, like, literally the last possible second when his version of this story would be something people were at all interested in. Yeah. <laughs> and it's miserable. It's, like, you know, I don't agree with the criticism of Man of Steel, to be clear, but, like this sounds like something that I would never want to read or experience because you sounds like awful. It just sounds so fucking miserable. And it, like, he spends so much time on it and it's utterly fucking bizarre. Um, yeah. And it's His just, yeah, it's just 40 a 40 minutes, pitch. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> a pitch should not be 40 minutes long. Yeah, I'm no, because, yeah, he, he lays out the entire story, like, from beginning to end. And it's like, it's just, you know, he's clearly so excited about it in a way that's annoying, too, because he thinks this is, like, the coolest, most interesting. But it's not saying anything, really, you know? Not like, you know, it's, I know it's a fucking, like, superhero comic, but, like, it's not really saying anything about the character in a way that's interesting. It's not really saying anything about, like, even previous versions of the character that it's, like, commenting on. It's just, like, it's kind of just, like, nothing. It's kind of just, like, rehashing the superman mythology in a way that like again you go into it thinking it's going to be new and then you forget that you thought it was going to be new because you're so excited about the old thing and i don't want to keep fucking reiterating myself with that because i know that it's like I i'm saying it over and over but it it pops up so much in his work that like it's impossible that that's the framework through which you have to understand max landis a nepotism case whose whole trick is that actually you're getting the old thing 
Yes. Um, I gotta ask. So this is obviously a death and return of Superman plot. How similar is this pitch to what would eventually become Batman v Superman? Just Not like in all. terms of like plot. Not at all. It's completely different. Um, okay. Batman v Superman is a much better story. <laughs> like, well, I, I'm had... not. I'm not comparing them qualitatively. I'm just saying, like, in terms of like the beats that it hits no. in general. Yeah. No, I'm it's completely different. Like, you know, it, it's 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 a completely different version of the story with a cup. Like, Doomsday is there. He, Superman doesn't die, quote unquote. Actually, he just like gives up being Superman for a while. And then there's a whole arc where Batman like trains him in Krav Maga or whatever <laughs> that Max Landis thinks is the coolest idea. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, it's fucking stupid. Um, it, but it's, yeah, it's nothing it, like Batman v Superman. It's weird that he doesn't do a lot different with Superman because he reminds us very frequently that Superman is boring. He is very, very insistent that he thinks Superman's a boring superhero. Yeah. So, it's weird that given his opportunity to give his own spin on the character, he just kind of does Superman still. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that, like, you know, I'm not going to go off on fucking Snyder stuff, but, like, the reason I like his version of Superman is that he clearly this is, so, like, it's a character that he's interesting to him and that he is drawing some interesting, like, concepts and ideas out of that people hate because, you know, it's it's different. And, you know, they can feel that way if they want. But, yeah, Max Landis clearly has does not find Superman interesting at all. So he has to surround him with, like, you know, half, a, half of a story arc that's just other superheroes getting their asses kicked. And then a second half that's, like, Superman kind of standing around while villains reveal themselves and then he just instantly destroys them. Um, like, the character of Superman damn. is, like, kind of a non-entity. It's not... He doesn't, he can't come up with anything sort of interesting that's interior to him because I don't think he thinks that there's anything interesting interior to him. But it's like, Max, that's your fucking job as the writer. Like, if you're going to write this, just fucking figure it out. You have to come up with something. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it literally is the fucking elevated horror, uh, elevated horror type thing for him where Max Landis, all of his pitches, including Chronicle, I would argue, is him trying to outsmart a genre, basically. Like, a yeah. lot of his ideas are, like with Bright, it's like, well, let's outsmart the fantasy genre and the buddy cop movie at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't even agree with a lot of the elevated horror backlash. You know, I think that a lot of the time, I mean, there's obviously some fucking cases where it's very clearly just, you know, dumb shit. But a lot of the time, I feel like, you know, it's just someone trying to approach the genre in a different way. But this is 100% someone fucking trying to outsmart shit that they are not better than they are a hundred percent not better than what they're talking about yeah oh man and that yeah and that's the thing like he that's the other thing about his pitches i think is like he makes you he's trying to make you feel smart for like isn't it interesting how i'm like commenting on or or diverging from the thing that you know like Mm. And again, like that era, early mid 2010s was just fucking chock full of shit like that, uh, of genre stories that were like, you know, we know that it's kind of embarrassing to be a genre story. So we're going to con- all the all the fucking Marvel movies back then were like this and they kind of still are um, yeah. a lot of horror movies, obviously the fucking Halloween reboot, uh, the David Gordon <laughs> Reed one. Um, oh, God. And yeah, and, and a lot of elevated horror, too, is like we're going to make you feel smart 
for recognizing the ways that we think we are smarter than the th- the thing we're trying to be. You know, where it's like yeah. we're bringing you in on this thing we're commenting on in a way that's like fucking annoying because <laughs> they are never actually smarter than the thing that they are commenting on. They no. are just being annoying about it. No, it takes a very, very, very like Orson Welles level genius in order to do the I'm outsmarting the shit that I'm kind of pastiching or whatever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it takes a fucking genius to do that. And Max Landis, you know, room temp IQ at best. We're not... <laughs> God damn, I hate this man so much. And we haven't even gotten to the worst thing that yeah. we had to watch for this. Yeah. We should wrestling yeah. isn't wrestling. So this was, we're skipping around. We're doing him chronologically, but we're skipping around a little bit since these two videos are of a piece. And this was done in 2015, I think after Victor Frankenstein came out. Um, hence the shirt he wears in this video. Yeah, I um, think that's that says, right. Or maybe when he was making mis- it or something. Yeah. And, uh, oh boy. So I wanted to be charitable to the death and return of Superman since he does tell an interesting story in it. And I laughed at the Superman joke, the five for fighting one, but this fucking piece of shit at 25 minutes, it just sucked the life out of me. It is one of the just most unbearable fucking things I've ever had to sit through. It's difficult to describe other than the vibes are just rancid and it's painfully unfunny and he can't even do his job right. Like, you know, Death and Return of Superman, he tells the story of how this arc kind of fucked up comics forever. I still have no idea what the fuck happens in this wrestling arc since I don't watch wrestling, (laughs) but I, I have no idea what the fuck he's even talking about in this one. It's like, okay, there's a... There's a guy named uh, named uh, Cleophus the Bold, and people hate him, but they like him. And then he fights uh, Dracula or something. It's it's he he cannot keep a coherent train of thought in this. And his whole thing, his whole thing for this, it's another monologue, and it's telling the story of Triple H, the wrestler. Again, I don't think either of us are wrestling fans. I mean, I've liked some wrestling that I've seen. It's never something that I followed really, though, so I don't know the stories. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I definitely didn't watch it when I was like, you know, the prime age for it because I yeah. thought I was better than it when I was in middle school, but <laughs> I don't, I don't, I mean, I kind of do, but I, I don't really, I kind of only sort of think that now. And, um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, just <laughs> generally I, I, I was, I was intrigued to follow along because, you know, you can, if you're a good video essayist or whatever, you can tell a story about something I don't give a shit about. Like, I watch fucking economics video essays all the time. I don't give a (laughs) shit about that, any of this stuff, but they just tell compelling stories about hotels or whatever. But this is just a mess. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about all the time. Well, he's making, like, just to summarize what I think was the initial point of this video... He starts off, first of all, the fucking Mythbusters are the first people you see in this video. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ, Max. <laughs> Again, just the same thing of like, why are, that is a string that you didn't need to pull to make a YouTube video. Um, but they show up and they're like, you know, in the sort of uh, uh, reading the script way, like, uh, you know, wrestling isn't real, right? And the whole yeah. point of the video is supposed to be like, yeah, obviously, wrestling isn't real because there's like fucking you know magic and zombies and shit like it's a tv show that you watch and you enjoy and it's like yeah that is a if you're going to criticize wrestling 
Like, nobody who watches wrestling thinks it's real. Like, there yeah. people fucking explode on WWE. Like, obviously fake things happen. They enjoy watching it because it's a TV show that you would yes. enjoy watching like any TV show. That's that's it. That's the point. But for some reason, to illustrate this point, he has to spend 25 minutes just describing all of the major beats of Triple H's career up to that point. And yes. it, like doesn't come to an ending is the thing that bothered me because obviously like when this video was made triple h was still like wrestling and the what he says in the video is like yeah this thing about wrestling like stories don't end but it's it just fine but you get to the end of the video and you're like what was the fucking point of the story you were telling me like, well, this was, <laughs> the specific comparison he he uses in this fucking episode he's like yeah, it doesn't have an ending, but so does, you know, the same is true for life. Yeah, a god like, fucking uh, piece of life shit. Life does end, you fucking <laughs> psycho. Your dad brought three of them to an end. What are you talking about? It's are you crazy. going to live forever, you fucking Hollywood piece of shit? It's and, so stupid. Okay, yeah, and this one is chock full of cameos. Like... It's a brigade of fucking Hollywood has-beens in this video. <laughs> like, uh, you got Seth Green. You got um, uh, the only person in Hollywood with a worse father figure <laughs> than John Landis, Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got uh, Haley Joe Osment shows up uh, looking like he does nowadays. Um mm-hmm. Who else is in this? There's like a lot of like blink and you miss it cameos. Ron Howard was in the first one, but IMDb not in this lists one. a cast of 140 people. Yeah, 140 fucking people. Yeah. Um, it literally just is like famous suburban nights in this video. Literally, <laughs> literally yeah. All it is. There's a lot of like video game voice actors. Yuri Lowenthal yeah. was in this. Um, a lot there's of a lot of actual wrestlers. Um. Like like low level wrestler. In the first one, one of the McPoyles from It's Always Sunny is in this. Yeah. Um, uh, John Hennigan, who Survivor fans might know, but is also a wrestler yeah. is in this. Um, yeah, a million fucking people. Um, yes. Part of the gimmick of it, also by the way, is like all of the male wrestlers he has because it's another drunk history type one, and all of the male wrestlers are played by women, and all of the female wrestlers are played by men, and I don't know why. He did that. I don't get. Well, like, it's it, what sucks. What sucks is all the women are dressed like women, but all the men are also dressed like women. Like they have ha highs wearing a bikini or whatever. Yeah. And oh man, okay. I, the part that it's all women playing men, I think, is what made this video feel really wrong to me. Like it, it felt like I was watching a community service project for hot girls. <laughs> also. I also felt like I was watching like leaked footage of a casting couch audition or something. <laughs> like it's just uh, both of these fucking. No, if, if, just... if cast if casting couch videos like actually led to a role, this is the role it would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Literally, it was. It's. God damn. It. It. It just. It felt gross in like it, it felt like something you'd find on your uncle's computer or whatever. <laughs> it's just like woman in bikinis wrestling or something. Yeah. <laughs> just just in a disturbingly uh, like amateurish production. I think that's what really Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it yeah, it feels like one of the fake pornos from Lost Highway. That's the best <laughs> way I can describe it. <laughs> it um yeah, it's Oh god, it just felt really really wrong to be watching. Um 
Oh man, and the story he tells is fucking dog shit. He he he. The thing is, and I hate to bang on this drum since it's like you know it's been too like everyone gets that Marvel sucks, but literally what he describes wrestling to sound like is literally just the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> like that's what he makes it sound like. That's the thing. It's it's he chose a not particularly interesting. Like I'm sure that if there are wrestling stories. Like, there's, a, there's another video from that fucking guy. Ugh, who's the anime guy? Super, Super Eyepatch Wolf. Super Eyepatch Wolf, yeah. Yeah, he did a, some very similar... <laughs> That's badass, man. That's fucking badass. <laughs> Listen. I'd hate to run into a Super Eyepatch Wolf in an you, alley. You know that that's not the stupidest thing I watch on YouTube. <laughs> um, but he did a similar video to this about The Undertaker that is like... Where'd you get your fucking eye patch, Super Eyepatch Wolf? Okay. <laughs> did, did, did you get it on the hunt? Did one of your pack <laughs> members take it from you? Uh, okay. Anyway. Continue. <laughs> anyway, there's a, the point is, he did a kind of like version of this video about The Undertaker's career that is more interesting, more compelling, and just less annoying, and that actually feels like a story, <laughs> like, in a way that this doesn't. I, I don't know... It makes you, like, you really have to dig down and be like, what is it about Triple H that Max Landis finds so compelling? And it's like, all right, well, let's look at the story he tells. Triple H started out as, like, a rich fucking preppy guy who nobody liked. (laughs) And then, like, because he was so desperate to be recognized as the best, he just, like, started... Uh, pulling in people to, like, pull strings to cheat for him, who he then, like, later turned on when he was getting more famous. And, like, he he was just spent years striving for the recognition that he could never get because, like, other people were just more popular, even though Triple H had, like, everything going for him. He was, like, he became married into, like, the company. And it's like, wow, Max Landis, I wonder what really fucking speaks to you about this guy's story. He says, like, Triple H doesn't realize that he's a fucking insecure loser who can't do anything right. And it's like, hmm. Hmm. hmm yeah. <laughs> that little vignette he has about, like, yeah, Triple H, you know, he loses to The Undertaker but won't take no for an answer. He s- still thinks he's won. And it's like, damn, that's kind of like when every single one of your movies bombed. <laughs> and you're still acting like you're a fucking Hollywood genius. <laughs> Uh, yeah, God, it's, I'm glad you pointed that out because <laughs> the similarities are striking. Yeah. It's insane. Um, other than that, oh, he, speaking of which, he also has a segment in this, which is very, very darkly funny where he talks about Triple H drugging and marrying, uh, the daughter of Vince McMahon. Yeah. And... <laughs> it's like it's like well isn't that a sex crime shouldn't he go to jail and it's like yeah yeah probably probably yeah Yeah. of course later in the story it does turn out that uh stephanie mcmahon wanted it all along um yeah max makes sure to mention that (laughs) well you know (laughs) there's also some element of wishful thinking in this story i guess (laughs) oh man God, I hate this human being so much. I hate He's loathsome. We haven't even seen him with the fucking, like, most faggot haircut you've ever seen in your life yet. Yeah, oh, God. That the era fucking, is yet like... to come. Oh, man. Oh, God. I want him and Devin Farachi to be in a fucking cage match in hell <laughs> somewhere. I need the battle of the male feminist sex pest, <laughs> and I need them to do duel. 
just to see yeah. just to see them just clobber each other to death. There's the scene in this kind of obscure David Mamet film called Spartan. And they're like, you know, they have to do training to get into, I think, the Delta Force. And the final uh, the final trial is that they have two the two finalists for Delta Force. And they hand them both a knife. And uh, what's his name? Val Kilmer's character just says, begin. And they start fighting and it cuts to black. And that's what I want to see happen between those fuckers. Just... Ugh. Yeah, Max Landis and Devin Faraci, you're just going to throw them both into the pit from The Dark Knight Rises and just toss, <laughs> like, one rusty halberd into the middle. Yeah, literally just the fucking pit from Army of Darkness, <laughs> where they have the deadites just crawling everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I don't know what else to say. I really don't know what else to say. I've uh, This fucking season is just going to be staring into the void because yeah. there's no soul here. There's no human being. <laughs> It's just a person failing upward and upward and upward until finally his hubris brings him down. It's it. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, this is going to be a bleak fucking season. It's going to be very, very tough to get through because they're really it won't even feel cathartic like with Doug where you kind of got this, you know, you got this unique rise and fall arc. It's just, you know, someone who sucks getting everything he ever wanted. Mm hmm. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. We went for 42 minutes, which is longer than I thought we'd have for this. On three YouTube videos, so you know that yeah. when we get to, like, the movies again, it's we're going to yeah. have a lot to say. Four-hour episode. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, that's going to do it, folks. Thank you for listening to episode two of Get Cynical Season 3. I'd like to once again remind you that we have a Patreon now. It's the Patreon for my sister show, Those Good Old Fashioned Values, although I'll probably add Get Cynical to the title by the time this is up so it's easier to search. If you want to listen to our bonus episodes on Smiling Friends, uh, It's uh, Inside, the Bo Burnham special, and to come, stuff like Smiley, Annoying Orange Adventures, and more Doug Walker content because you all love that stuff. <laughs> Please subscribe for $7 a month. You get that plus all the other stuff from my other show, which Esther is very frequently on, such as an mm -hmm. episode on Southland Tales, an episode on Chasing Amy, an episode on, uh, well, Ted Lasso was free. But, you know, Esther is on a bunch of those. So check that shit out. Otherwise, that's going to do it. See you next time. Bye.